Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's the haps, kids? This is WJ from Ring General Radio, and you are listening to the 4D Podcast Network. Welcome back to Home Malone. I'm your host, Michael Malone. Oh, we have been on such a hiatus, right? It's been a minute. It's been a minute. How the hell are you? Good, I hope. Uh, It's been a rough week for me. (laughs) It's been a rough and awesome week at the same time. Um, I had to, I finally, I finally got COVID. It's like, it's like finally watching the Tiger King or who, (laughs) a show that everybody's talking. I finally got around to getting COVID. Oh, man. It, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Wasn't that bad for me. I hope it was good for you. If you had it out there, I'm vaxxed. I'm boosted. Uh, I'm all the things. I've been wearing my mask. I've been doing all the things. So uh, it felt uh, it felt a lot like a, like a bad sinus infection. And, and uh, so, so it wasn't that bad for me. I hope if you had it, uh, it wasn't that bad for you. I hope you're vaxxed and boosted and all those fun things. Uh, yeah, so I had COVID, but I also, I got COVID, (laughs) I got COVID, I think a day before my new special wait and see, uh, came out. And so I had a premiere party and then the very next morning I tested positive and I felt bad and I had to text everybody I was with, like getting COVID is, uh, a lot like catching an STD. You gotta, you gotta let everybody know who... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whoever you were with last you got to reach out hey you might want to get tested you might i uh, i don't know you might want to get tested uh so i had to do that and then i was wearing the mask around the house you know trying to keep the family safe and then uh and then my girlfriend Jess got it a couple days later so didn't do too well in that department but we're both feeling way better. Um, like I said, I got I tested positive, and then uh, the very next day, my my special came out, <laughs> and so I was fielding all of these messages and and phone calls, and all these these great things were coming my way, and I it really made me feel better, and I'm so glad that the special has been so well received. If you haven't seen it yet, it's called Wait and See, and you can watch it on uh, MaloneComedy.com, or you can also go to uh, YouTube and find it there. Um, it's streaming for free. Or uh, if you don't want 
to watch the special, or you don't have time for that, or you're always on the go, there's an audio version. It just dropped today. The album is out. It's on iTunes and Apple Music and Google Play and Spotify, wherever you listen to music or podcast or whatever, it's there. It's called Michael Malone, Wait and See. Uh, you can listen to it there. Um, really, really happy with it, really proud of it. And uh, like I said, the feedback has just been incredible. Um, like like today's show, today's show is incredible. I, what a transition, huh? Who's a fucking pro? Me, baby. That's right. Back in the studio. <laughs> I really do. We really do have a good show today. It's, uh, man, I, I'm so happy. My guest today is G. Scott Graham. Uh, he's the author of 15 books. 15 books. I barely wrote one. My book has a lot of pictures in it, okay? So I can't imagine. He's the author of 15 books, but we, uh, we only really talked about two of them. Uh, one of them mostly is called Come As You Are, and it's about grief and meditation. Um, you can find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you get your electronic or physical books from. Make sure you check that out. It's called Come As You Are, Grief and Meditation. Um, we talked a lot about uh, grief and the development of it and the updates it needs and, and all of these things that, that are attached to it, the stigma, the taboo. Um, man, Scott was just so incredible to talk to. Um, and what an incredible story that he has for himself. He had uh, lost his husband of 30 years. This just happened a, a couple of years ago. Um, and he, he spent his time since then spreading the the message of of how to grieve better, how to grieve differently than what we're taught. And it was, oh man, uh, so enlightening to to talk to him. Um, man, what a great conversation. We also talked about meditation, which I'm really trying to get into. Uh, Scott has spent 261 days in silent meditation. That's incredible. Uh, I can't. Uh, I can't go 261 minutes without talking to somebody, even if it's myself around the house. Uh, anyways, the book is called Come As You Are, Grief and Meditation. And the other book that we talked uh, about on his list uh, is the Bucket List Workbook. Um, this is talking about jumping into the things that you really want to get done in life, starting with why you want to do them, the value of them, and working backwards so you can accomplish the goals and the things that you're really trying to do and the motivation that goes along with that. Again, I can't say enough about this conversation. It was so much fun. Uh, I learned so much, and I hope that you do too. So uh, without further ado, G. Scott Graham. But you know, I have to say, I have to say, before we get started, yeah. I, I, I actually owe you an apology. Oh, okay. I do, I do, I do, I do. So, uh, because one of the things, and, for, and listeners, if you have not seen Wait and See, oh. you should Google Wait and See Malone, because if you just do Wait and See, you're going to get like a country music video. <laughs> That's not the video. That's not the video. But 
it, it's it is a powerful 30 minute video and i it's 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 i'm not going to do any spoilers here so i don't <laughs> i just watch it but i want to tell you that michael really is very courageous and and talks about himself in this video and i'm a therapist in training and, and i've worked in rehabs before i sent michael you know my confirmation for this stuff and i was like great video it should be shown <laughs> in rehabs and then i and and i had that moment you know that moment michael where you like hit the send key and you're like oh shit I'm, I, I can i get to the router in time to turn it off because <laughs> even though that's physically impossible right you have that moment of flash of like Damn. And I thought he's going to get this and he's going to think saying that they should show it in the rehab. So people say, see, you're not fucked up. Look at Michael. <laughs> when you, just wait till your life's like Michael's. And then, and after you've left a Yelp review, then, then you can kill yourself. Right. But if oh your life's God. not like Michael's, you're all set. Thank you so much. So, <laughs> I hope you didn't take it that way when I sent it. It no. was not meant that way. It's a it's great. No, thank you so much. It's so funny you you mentioned that too because I was I was doing that as a, I was touring with that as and I was doing a, a full hour, and um, the the opening to the hour is the story about going to Six Flags with my girlfriend and her daughter and how huh. we we were waiting in the car so long we had to pee in cups in the car <laughs> like all this stuff, and then the hour ends with that last half hour that you watched that we filmed and um and so you know it's all about grief and suicide and therapy and mental health and all this stuff and so when i first started running this hour on tour i was getting such a mixed reaction after the shows uh people were coming up and it was either two things it was either somebody coming up to me and they were like uh, man, we, you know, I run a rehab center out of Seattle and, you know, we, we talk a lot about suicide. We'd love to have you come talk, you know, sometime. And I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be great. And then the very next person in line would be like, my wife was pregnant and she had to piss on the back of a pickup truck. And, <laughs> and then the very next person would be like, we lost my brother to suicide. We really appreciate it. <laughs> so it was such a mixed uh, uh, message of, of people coming up to me afterwards uh, of during the show. So yeah, it's it's so interesting. So your special your specialty now is to tour rehabs without toilet facilities, <laughs> yes. right? That's it, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> Here we are. We have Michael Malone in a cup. <laughs> we'll get to the parts of this that are really important at the pertinent times. But exactly. all you need to know now is you have your cup, and here is Michael. There are go. no bathroom breaks. <laughs> it's going to be a while. No bathroom breaks. <laughs> well, I appreciate you joining me and, and thank you so much for the kind words. And I, I guess this would be a perfect way to start. That. Let's let's get into it. Let's talk about grief. Because um, yeah. you would you would mention something about how we're how you think people are grieving wrong or how we're taught that we're grieving wrong. And I think that's such an interesting idea. And, and I talk a little bit about it in, in the special and in, 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 on tour and, and in my book and stuff like that. So um, I'd love to hear your, your take on, on how we're, uh, we're grieving wrong. Yeah. You know, I, I've been a therapist for many years and, it, and, you know, it never occurs to you until you're like walking down the path yourself, right. Of, of, wait a minute. And I, and I was I doing this to other people the way this is being done to me, and you know we in, in in our society, you know I agree with you that our mental health system is so messed up here, and it's just yeah. a crackpotty 
crazy thing. And how we approach issues is also very crackpotty crazy. And grief is one of them. That it's, it's either one of two things. It's either a problem to be solved. You have to get through this. You can make it. And, and or it's a problem to be evolved through and that it's like this magical gift and that on the other side of your healing you will be farting butterflies and rainbows and you'll walk on water and you'll be joyful right that's those are the two things that were served up yeah you're either a problem or it's this like gift that's suddenly going to make you appreciate life and you're now going to it's like you've taken the red pill or the blue pill and you see things totally as they are now because of the tragedy that's such a crock of shit it's such a crock of shit yeah and i think that Um, kind of stems from that old saying that you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and i think a lot of time that gets fed into grief and and you get you know yeah you you were handed and i think that kind of whittles down to to religion and that idea of like well god wouldn't give you anything you couldn't handle and you exactly. know <laughs> exactly and you, and you know there was a, there was a woman named elizabeth kubler ross psychotherapists and counselors are familiar with this as well as some people that have played around in grief she wrote a book called on death and dying many many years ago and she identified these five stages that now have been applied to everything from death and dying to getting sober. Like if you're in rehab, they say you're giving up your old self. You have to go through the anger stage, the denial stage, the accept. I mean, it's, it's been applied to everything except cake decorating. Maybe, I don't know, (laughs) but it's when she came up with that, when Elizabeth Kubler-Ross came up with these concepts, she was talking about people who were dying, people that had their own illness and were dealing with their own mortality and how they dealt with that. And then those concepts were high, it was, it was hijacked and it was applied to death from people who are actually experiencing grief and loss and then alcoholism, this thing, that thing, that thing, and maybe cake decorating for all I know. But <laughs> she said, later on in her career that she regretted not speaking up when when it was hijacked because that's not what she meant the author the person who came up with the concept said that that how you guys are using this is bullshit (laughs) and say it that way (laughs) but really that's that's that stands out and it still is being used one of the things that i talk about in my book wait <laughs> of the things I talk about in my book, Come As You Are, uh, is, is how to pick a therapist. And one of the things I talk about in that book about picking out your therapist is come, just like you would interview someone who was going to clean your pool. You know, you want to have some specific, you want to ask them the same questions. What's your pool cleaning method? How long have you been doing this? You know, how do you feel about algae in the water? You ask the therapist, what's your mode of, of counseling? What, have you dealt with people with grief before? So I sent the same questions to a bunch of therapists and I got, the, I got those two things. Oh, you're, you're going to emerge on the other side and it'll be joyful and beautiful. And I'm so pleased to be a partner with you in this process. And then we're going to explore the five stages of grief so that you can get through this issue. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Christ, do you people even know what you're talking about? I actually include 
when you get the book, if you get the book, you can actually read the email responses. I change people's names. Um, <laughs> right. For legal purposes. To protect, right. <laughs> change people's names, change their genders, made them, them, this and whatever. And it's all just this, but you get the, the, the other stuff is truly there. So you can really see how guilty they are with this stuff. So I so what what I'm hearing is 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 the we we need an update. We do need it. We need an update. But you know what? The APA, the American Psychological Association, just did an update uh, uh, in the DSM five where they talked about this unresolved grief thing of grief going on and on and on for years. It's a new diagnosis they came up with and codified uh, all all in my cynical judgmental opinion to um, sell more pharmaceuticals to unsuspecting Americans because you get this diagnosis. Do you have unresolved grief? Do you have, it's called complicated grief. Do you, can you see, can you see the video? Can you see the commercial? <laughs> yes. Have you or white. somebody you love been in a complicated right. grief accident? <laughs> Blurry pictures, dark gray, no. pop the pill and suddenly everything's sharp. Crystal HD, 4K, bright colors, yeah, it's oh, um, man. yeah, and I think I think that happens uh, too often where we're just we're kind of just thrown medication and expected to 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 get well soon because you know it's like the, again it's like the old saying there's there's no money in the cure the money's in the medicine and that's uh, right. that's exactly what they're what they're peddling you is that medicine to, to give you hope to keep you on the hook and, and to keep you coming back and uh you know right. america's been a, a drug dealer for a long time <laughs> you know right and yeah yeah i i had a similar experience with that i was having trouble finding a therapist when I was first reaching out for therapy. And um, I was getting the runaround with my health insurance versus the therapist that would take it or they're in network. And what I kept running into was I, even when I would find somebody um, they would be like, okay, well, you have to contact your healthcare provider. And then I would contact them and they would be like, okay, well, you have to contact the therapist and they'll set it up. So then I would call them back and they would go, okay, well, you have to contact you. And it was just a circle of, call them, they'll set it up, call them, they'll set it up. And, uh, Boy. you know, long story short, I got, I got filtered through the three different people. And the first two were both like, we think you have the, the skills and, and the motivation to work your way through this. And we're not going to recommend any medication. And, and that was fine. And I was like, yeah, that's not, I'm not here for pills, you know, and, uh, I'm here to do the work. And then the third one that they paired me up with, within the first 10 minutes, she was like throwing medication at me. She's like, I think you need to be on this and, and, and that. And I was like, well, are we talking like a, a temporary, uh, you know, pill situation or is I, am I going to have to wake up every morning and, and take a pill before I can start my day and she, for the rest of my life? And she goes, you probably... I mean, Michael, you didn't say you are so smart and have <laughs> so much innate wisdom that after only nine or 10 fucking minutes, <laughs> right. you know that I need to be on medication. And, and for half of that time, we've been talking about you, the therapist and not me. Yes. I'm oh, what a great therapist you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just so, but I, and I can't, I can't imagine, you know, again, like, but how many times has that worked? Do you know what I mean? Like I, right, right. I you know, is it one out of 10 people take those pills, you know, or is it five, is right. it nine out of 10? Like how many people actually go, wait a minute, 
you know, two other professionals have told me that I don't need this. And within right. 10 minutes, you're telling me that I do, maybe I shouldn't take, you know, so, right. but the but trouble again. is with our healthcare system, you're, you're, you get settled with the people that have dotted their I's and crossed their T's on all their applications and paperwork, and not necessarily the people that are most qualified or aligned to what you need. It's like saying, I am, where can I go? to eat um i i i have a debit card and nobody accepts a debit card but you know um what's that place that you worked at wetzel's pretzels no you didn't work there you work next to it but yeah. all right <laughs> i gotta go to the pretzel place for dinner because they're the only place that accepts the debit card everybody else accepts credit cards so even though that might not be good for me that's what i'm gonna eat yeah yeah we we're kind of stuck in that this is the this is the best option for me instead of this is the best thing for me. Right. Yeah. yeah. I actually walked out of my I actually I wasn't going to look for counseling, but I had this one friend who sees the world through those blinders. He's had a counselor for ages, right? So he's like, you have to have you have to work this out with a psychotherapist. I'm like, really? I don't think I need to. And he was like, I really need to. And I'm like, I don't really think I need to. And finally, I was like, all right, I will. Jesus. Yeah. And that's the first thing we're going to talk about my overbearing friends with the counselor. Uh, and so I found this counselor and, you know, I'm a counselor, I'm a therapist. So I'm like, what's my treatment plan? What are we working on? What are we doing? And how is this? And this is what I want from you. And she just wouldn't do, I, I was doing some journaling and grief work. And I'm like, I sent her this stuff. I'm like, I'd like you to review it. And then let's talk about this. And she didn't take the time to review it. And um, I finally got up in the middle of a session and said, I'm leaving. And this, I'm telling you, I, you know what? People should know this. People should know this. We're looking for a counselor. It's very important. And that is this like power dynamic that goes in place. It's like, it's like sitting naked on the doctor's table while the doctor's <laughs> there. It's like, there's this power differential while this doctor is fully clothed is like poking at you. And the same thing happens when you're with a therapist. And so we're much more inclined to defer to their judgment, follow through with their, what they say and all this other stuff, which is just baloney. And it, I, I've known this. I've used to teach ethics courses for folks working for their licensure. And so I knew I'm familiar with this, but I've never really experienced it until just a couple of years ago when I'm in this counselor's office and she's doing an abysmal job. And I'm like, I, I got to get up and leave. And it was one of the most difficult things I have ever done. Yeah, I was just, oh. Yeah, because we're in our in our minds, they, they are the expert, you know, they they were again, you're you're trained in that societal way to to refer to them and to cowtail and to just blindly uh, 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 heed to whatever they're they're saying. Yeah, it, it is a power dynamic. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about a lot of ways to not grieve. So what are yeah. the ways that you found are 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 better? So the way the, the first piece that I found is that grief is normal, absolutely normal. It's it's just as normal as laughter, as sadness, as anger. It's normal. Right. So if you even if you lost somebody 14 years ago and you feel grief at times for that, I want you to know you are normal. You are close to your grandmother, Michael. You lost your parents. You're going to, when, when, when things come up and you see things around that, you're going to feel that for the rest of your life because you're close with them. That's 
normal. That's not a problem. That is the result that you, Michael, lived a full life or are living a full life where you're connecting with people, you're taking risks, you're close to folks, you know, but we feel lost for the folks that are, that we care about. It's the, it's the, there's, there's an inverse relationship, the deeper your love or the higher your love, the deeper your grief. It just works that way. The more connected you are, the, the more you're wrapped in that relationship, the more joyous and and fulfilled you feel when that's gone the deeper your grief people die in the world all the time people have died probably in the last five minutes i'm not crying for them um i I don't know them there's no it's right it's this it's there's just no connection there and so that is the first piece to be aware of and so one of the one of the piece and this is actually a piece i just learned i'm actually going to do a little blog post about this uh i did a blog post a couple weeks ago about this because in this last year it's amazing you know i lost my husband of 31 years uh about 25 months ago 26 months ago and um and in this past in these past two years, I've also had two knee replacements, two knee replacements, which is, you know, major surgery, three or four days here, blah, blah, blah. More people ask about my goddamn knees than they do about how I'm doing with loss. How's your knees? How's your knees? And, and I wrote a really critical um, article about that. And, 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 and I didn't give a solution. Like you're asking for a solution here and a friend the same guy that was like, oh, you need to go see a therapist. You didn't put us, you're going to give people a solution because you're just bitching and moaning. And so, and I, and I stumbled on this piece. The best thing you can say to somebody who's grieving when you talk to them, whether it's a five days or four years or 60 years is how's your grief. It's the same thing they say to my about it's, it's a, it's a, it's a neutral statement. You're not giving an, you know, are you still grieving about your parents, Michael? Um, have you gotten over your grandmother yet? Right. right. Scott, are you still, is it still bothering, which all have implications that there's something fucked up about that whole thing, right? There's nothing messed up with my knees. People just want to know how it's going with those new knees that are in my, in my body, right? <laughs> right. How's your knees? People say, how's your knees? And it's amazing. Um, the people that I've shared this with, have said to me since then, how's your grief? It is such an affirming, positive thing. To, I'm like, oh, thanks for asking. It's been this way on Tuesday and it was this way on Thursday. And I didn't even think about it. So you just said that to you now. And well, that's okay. Cause you know, and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, that's okay. You know, you just want to know how it was. I just told you how it was, right? My knees are, you, thanks for asking for about that instead of my knees. Um, <laughs> right. Well, I think, well, two things. Well, one, the first thing you hit on about how it, it never really goes away and how you're always, you know, the grief is always with you. And uh, I heard this, this great quote that helped me. Uh, I wish I could remember who said it, but I was listening to NPR one morning and um, he, uh, this person was talking about grief and they said, it never hurts less. It just hurts less often. Yeah. And that's right. something that, that I love to pass on to people that, that are grieving, that, that have lost somebody. It just, it just, um, it, that, that's it. You know, it, it doesn't hurt any less when I think about my mother passing or when I'm reminded of it or whatever, but 
I'm not thinking of it every day or, you know, whatever it, it hurts less. Right. Um, and I can't imagine the, right. the, the pain that you that you went through with losing your partner. And again, you know, you think of these knee surgeries or something simple like that, where you're like, Oh, it's just a procedure and every day, but you're, you're missing your partner. You're missing your, your, your cheerleader, your, your better half, your, your person that's, that's going to be there for you. And those, those are big events in your life. When, when you, when you are yeah. used to sharing them with somebody, right. that, that's right. huge. And, um, and I love that. How, how is your grief? Because I think so many people get uncomfortable, even when it's, it doesn't matter if it's fresh or like you said, 10 years ago or whatever, people do not know how to talk about grief with other people. It is such no. a taboo subject. It's up there with politics and religion. You just, don't, right. you just don't bring it up because it's not proper manners or whatever. And, and I think that that's actually hurting and not helping us as, as a society, as a culture. Um, I think we'd be in a yeah. much better space, especially you know, I talk about it in the special as coming from the, the, the men aspect of it, how we're trained to be, you know, we're built for tough and we're the Marlboro man and you don't right. fuck with Texas. Right. And right. imagine how much better it would be if we were more accepting with that vernacular of how's your grief? Yeah. How are you holding? So you don't have to get touchy feely at all. Right. It's oh. like saying someone, how's your shoulder? How's your right. sciatica? Right. How's that bunion on your foot, right? It's the same type of thing. Well, it's not been bothering me much. And that's what you're going to get. Because, you know, if you ask somebody to that question of how's your grief, they're going to take a step out and talk about how it is. It's different than them saying to me, have you talked about Brian lately? Do you really miss him? Right. You know, how's, how's that going? Because that's talking in the grief, not about the grief that's talking about in the situation not about the situation and that's it's easy to talk about the situation if you can ask me about my knees you can ask me about my grief right uh, come on yeah right? I, I oh man i love that i love that so much um the other piece that you bring this piece up about um especially with guys and, and it was a guy that just said this to me and i'm working on typing this piece up he was like because i've been on a number of podcasts since i wrote the book talking about grief and things like that and sharing and crying on some podcasts and <laughs> yeah and yeah. and Been he, there. Saw, right, <laughs> he saw those he saw those and he's like he's like he sent me a message and it was nice to see you growing that was the message nice to see you growing it's going to be the title of the blog post which is a really crappy thing to say um, for, it's because nice implies that it's like, you're finally doing something about that. Right. And that you're suddenly growing about that. So here's my pro tip, pro tip for us, especially for all the guy listeners out there. Right. Um, think about what he was trying to say when he said, nice, he was probably trying to say, I'm impressed. Um, I'm, uh, proud. I wish I could do that. You're a good role model. Anything other than nice, which is like, good job, right? Good job working through this. And then the other piece is that, you know, there's re when you think, and you know this, you probably know this from your, from, your, from your own experience, Michael, there really is not a growing past something. You just said it's less often. It's still there. So right. really what we are doing in grief is we are 
responding to the adversity in our lives tenaciously. We are responding to the challenges that grief that that's coming up. We are persevering, right? It's like the person yes. who hits the mile 22 on the marathon and wants to stop, but they keep going right? People are like so inspired by those folks going on. So a much better thing to say other than nice, <laughs> you're cure to see you growing is, wow, you know, I'm, you could even say, you know what, I'm speechless to see that you are continuing to do the things in your life with this weight on your shoulders, right? I'm, I'm impressed to see you continuing to um, talk about this stuff when you, you, you're still, you're still, you still have that pain that's floating through there, right? That's, that's, you are persevering. You are, you are, because you're not going through, you're not getting better. We're just making it through mile 22. We're not yeah. stopping. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I love that. And um yeah, because that's that's exactly what it is. You're 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 learning to live with it, and it's exactly so. Oftentimes, you get that like like we first spoke about with the you know you got through it, or you're you're over it, and people don't understand you're you're never over it. Uh, right. You know, I was, I see people talk about their parents who have passed. 50, 60 years ago. And they, you know, even when I asked my grandmother about her parents who were horrible to her, <laughs> um, even she would reminisce in a way that was nostalgic and full of love and empathy. And I could tell that it still hurt her to talk about her parents. Um, and they passed, you know, right. 50, 60 years ago at, the, at this point when I was talking to her. Um, so yeah, it never really goes away in that idea of, I think that again, that goes into the competitive mindset, uh, of, of Americans where, you know, we're the best, we're number one, we're this and that we beat it. We conquered it. We're over it. You right. Know? right. <laughs> you know, and it's like, it, it doesn't have to be, it, it has to be the, uh, the other way. It has to be, I'm learning to live with it. I'm learning how to, what I talk about a lot is, is how to choosing what to carry with me. Exactly. And, and exactly. You, you get, I think of it as like luggage, you know, right. Is this the, the most common term is if you have a bunch of, you're trying to carry a bunch of suitcases or groceries, you're going to end up spilling and dropping. And even you might even fall down, you know, you're not even right. going to make it to the front door. You have right. to choose what you can carry with you and how comfortable it is, how heavy these are and what's important to you. Um, and yeah, and I, cause I, I think too many times we, we try to carry too many things with us to prove again, that, that strength and that, uh, right. that adversity, that conquering mentality of like, Oh, it's not going to beat me. <laughs> right. And then you keep it all bottled up till you explode. Right. Yeah. So the best, so asking other folks how their grief is, lets them at least talk about, you know, Oh, it was worse yesterday. It was better today. And that's at least some steam coming off of that pressure cooker. Yes. That's, that's in there. Um, you know, as you, as you're, going through this you're you're different but it's still with you i got these two replacement knees and i've i love to go hiking i have no trouble going up the mountain but <laughs> i'm having to learn to go down the mountain completely different um because the way that i've hiked i hiked the appalachian trail i've done a lot of hiking that's what really cost me my knees because when i step off a rock 
and I'm going down, I land on my skeletal system. And so it's like this, boom, 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 my knees are going. And so they can't go like that. So when I step down now, I need to step with my legs slightly bent. So I'm landing on my muscle system and not on my skeletal system. I cannot do that. I, it's, it's really difficult. I was, I was um, working with some friends. We were hiking and they were ahead of me and they stopped. I'm coming down the mountain. I'm going slow. And they're like, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm trying to, are you okay? I'm like, I'm trying to come down differently. They're like, you look like you're trying to take a crap while you're walking <laughs> down the trail. Cause you know, I'm like bent over with my knees, like, ee, ee, ee. and I'm like, I know I just, I'm, I'm, it's like a new person learning to walk again. I cannot figure it out and I don't want to land on my skeletal system. So I'm really, my legs are really bent and it looks like I'm taking a crap as I'm walking down the trail. Just a, which is an interesting sight, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, again, that's, it goes hand in hand. You have to, you have to relearn some things and especially with grieving and stuff like that. You, there are certain things that I avoid and, and uh, I talk about in, in my, in my book about like making a, a, a time to grieve. Like I, sometimes I'll set a date and I just know that, all right, I'm, I plan to be sad, <laughs> you know, for a couple right. hours on right. this day. Right. Um, you know, birthdays or holidays will come around and you just know that these might be triggering and, and this or that. And so I plan on that. And because yeah. I used to the first couple of years, it would catch me off guard. And, and like your, your knee metaphor here, you're just going down like you normally would and you're fucking up your knees, man. <laughs> and you can't right, do that. Right, you right. have to learn how to walk a little differently. And that's, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, it's how, how do I adjust to this new uh, way of loss and, and the, you know, avoiding some of these triggers. And so I don't fuck up my knees again. Right. <laughs> to use your words, it's, it's all temporary. Yeah. Temporary. You say, right. Cause going up is easy, but that's temporary. Cause once you get to the top, you're going to go down, but that's harder, but that's also temporary. And the same thing is true with grief for, for the truth of grief is that it's temporary and it goes away and it comes back and then it goes away and it comes back. And that's just, that's like any other feeling that we have, right? Yeah. I think we have that fear. And we don't whenever. laugh hysterically all the time. Um, we purposely, <laughs> we purposely go to a comedy club so we can laugh hysterically, right? That's like scheduling a <laughs> right, right? right? I'm going to feel sad on this day. Well, I want to be entertained. I'm going to go laugh my ass off. Uh, and you go to a comedy club and we do that with that. We, it's totally great to do that with grief. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the big fears yeah. that happens with grief is that you, you have a fear of permanence. You know, when it first happens, when you first lose somebody and you feel different, you're like, Oh, I'm afraid I'm going to feel this way for the rest of my life. And yeah. you, ha you have to get out of that thinking and you have to be, no, this is temporary. This is not, this is not a forever thing. And, and, and so on. Cause what you, what you, what you want to be clear of a piece that's important is you don't want to fuel your grief. You yes. want to, you do not. And, and that's true for any emotion. You don't want to fuel your anger you don't want to fuel your sadness and depression, 
right? Otherwise, depression just comes and goes. Like rain, we have rainy days and sunny days, um, cloudy days and blue sky days. But you don't want to seed those clouds so that it's raining all the time. And we can easily seed those clouds with why, does, why is this happening to me? How come this is happening? This isn't fair. You know, I'm never going to get better. Right. And then and the problem is that most people mistake that for grief. And really, there's it's it's really the the problem isn't grief. The problem is fueling, right? There should be a diagnosis for fueling your unskillful emotions, so that people can learn how to not fuel it. That would be a much better thing to focus on rather than oh, we're going to work on your anger issues. We're going to work on this. It's real. That's all. You've got to work on the people that are fueling it um, to stop fueling it, and then the fire goes out. Yeah. Yeah, you got to stop feeding into it. And um, I'm a big believer in I, I think that you have to lay in your mess for a little a, a minute, you know, and and re, I think that that messaging has been kind of uh, when we're talking about old, old messaging that needs to be updated, that idea of like, get right back up, get back on the horse, get back out there, shake it off, walk it off. And it's like, well, sometimes I think right. you, you need to lay in your mess and figure out how much damage has been done and how to deal with it. And before you try to stand up or else you're just going to keep falling down and um, correct. That's yeah. absolutely correct. Right. So it's this... like going out in, in foggy weather and walking into the, into a wall. Yes. Right. You just yes. Go, you you're not ready yet. Slower. Let the fall die down a little. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So this, this idea of, uh, of, of grief and, and this new way of thinking and all of this stuff. And, and, and forgive me, I don't know the order of your books, but that this, uh, fuel any kind of inspiration for the the bucket list uh, book that you put out and 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 that transformation of life or the bucket list book the bucket list book <laughs> yes uh, was really was really an outgrowth of coaching work that I was doing with clients I was it's re, the bucket list really is designed for folks who say who answer this question with, I don't know. So, and the question is, what's your vision of your life? What do you want, what do you want your life to be about? What's, what's, what are the values that drive you? If your answer is, I don't know, or anything like that, then the bucket list book's a good book for you because what you do is you go through this process and identify all these things on a bucket list and then you figure out what the common themes are and what the common supports are and what the common pieces are and you get rid of all the fluff like standing on top of the Eiffel Tower and going to Machu Picchu and eating squid and all that other shit. Get rid of all the fluff, right? And get down to like, what are the core values in you that are driving this, right? If somebody has on their bucket list, you know, my core value, wonder what it is. Let's see everything on my bucket list is seeing my kids graduate from high school, playing, you know, going to my um, grandson's soccer game, seeing my grandsons graduate from college. And then, well, what, 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 what are your values compare that to someone who says, you know, um, my, uh, 
bucket list is, you know, serving as an EMT, you know, working at the, working at the, um, the senior center, helping out at the Humane Society. What's your values, right? You could see, you distill those values from that. And then once you have that values in your hand to look at, you can say, all right, let me reverse engineer my life to ref reflect those values. And then somebody's like, wow, so the, these things are on your bucket list and you want to live a life of adventure, yet you're sitting at home on the couch all the time, right? <laughs> right. You have this piece on your bucket list to, you know, be there for your daughter's wedding. And yet, you know, you're not even going to your daughter's play because you're too busy with work. Like, What's going on here? Let's realign those. And then if you align those values, then you can throw your bucket list away. You don't need a bucket list because your life's awesome, right? The people that come up with the bucket list do that because, you know, they're thinking someday when I retire, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Boy, I love to be, you know, they're dreaming, right? And then they toil away and, and sometimes never get to those dreams. Um, so that would, the driver for that was actually clients who were stuck trying to figure out what they want to do. And one of the coaching tools, which is a morbid coaching tool that's used more than often, more than too often is to have people write their own obituary. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> isn't that creepy? Um, or, or if they have trouble with that, write their worst obituary. Right. So like, I, I, you know, what, what would be the worst obituary could be like, you know, I was a drug addict. I shot three people and I never was there for any of that. And then the idea is that you're able to work backwards from that to identifying your values. And I, I never felt good about using those things. I thought it was too creepy. Right. Bucket list is a little bit more airy. Right. <laughs> than, yeah. than write your own obituary. I right? got to love that. I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm going to write my own obituary this afternoon. <laughs> That's great. That's going to be my new, uh, my new bio for all my social media. <laughs> this is what it says on Michael's headstone. And this is the life that he led. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's great. And um, I think that's, that makes so much sense. Cause a, a lot of the times when we're trying to get motivated for something, it, it just, it's, it's so overwhelming. And, you know, obviously one of the, the tools is to break down things or make it to a list or, you know, break it down into smaller right. ideas or whatever. But I like that reverse engineering because that is such a good motivator because again, a lot of times we see some a goal we have in mind or something we want to do. And we're like, Holy shit, how am I ever going to fucking do that? And if you really get down to the core values and then you you can reverse engineer. I fucking, I, I right. love that. Because uh, most, so smart. the truth is most of us don't have a roadmap for our entire life on right. how, and not on necessarily where we want to go. We've, we're clear. Someone says, you want to be an engineer. You want to do this. Da, 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 da. And then, you know, that, that's not necessarily accurate because we're doing what we're told by our friends and family and church and all this other stuff. But we don't necessarily have a roadmap for how we want to be how we want to be with ourselves, how we want to be in our relationships, what are the drivers of our life that we want to surround ourselves with. So we go through this life in this hapless, goofy, crappy way, and then get to some endpoint and are like unfulfilled and are like, well, what happened? What happened? Um, 
Not yeah, good. I think that goes down to all the way down to education when you're young too. when, you know, they're not teaching any kind of, you know, you, you take home ec in high school <laughs> and you, you can make muffins, uh, but they don't actually teach you anything about actual life. You know, we're learning long division and, and about William Shakespeare right. and all these great things, but you're not actually learning how to apply the things that are necessary to make the life the, the most out of your life and to hit those goals that you want to hit and actually doing what you want to be doing instead of these cookie cutter ideas that society has just handed down to us where you have to go to college, you have to do this, you have to do that in, in order to join the workforce. And if that's something you want to do, then that's great. But also, you should want to have a, a, a family life as well and a good life and a balanced life too. And um, yeah, that's so interesting. We're just not taught that. Um, right. And until we get older uh, uh, and, and we're miserable and we're like, how the fuck do I change my life? <laughs> how did I get here? Right. Yeah. But then you, but then, you know, the, 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 the trouble with time is that once you spent it, you can't get it back. Right. right? So if you spent your entire life, toiling around some job you hate or doing something you don't want to do or living in some place that you want to live and then you you're waiting till, till you get some retirement age or something so you can get an rv or, uh, it's crazy right yeah. we're just yeah all right it's crazy yeah we spent a lot of to time Florida, play shuffleboard <laughs> we spent a lot of time <laughs> thinking how did i get here instead of how do i get there you know what I mean? Uh, I think yeah. that's that's the flip that needs to happen, man. Yeah, and I and I I only thought that it was linked to grief because grief can be so motivating and nothing. I mean, the best coffee in the world doesn't wake you up like fucking grief. No, no, especially if you're living life fully. Like yeah. if you're not living life fully, you're just going to be a little superficial thing here and a superficial thing there. But if you're really engaged in life fully, then you're going to experience grief at some point, at some point. It's the, it is the price of admission. Yeah. And it's, and, and, you know, and, and, and this is, this is the, the truth. And I bet it's the truth for you. And I bet it's the truth for your other listeners that have out there that have, that have truly experienced grief and are integrating it in their lives is that I wouldn't take this pain away. I would not take this pain away because it's a piece that I hold on to that's still profound in my life that tells me that I was someplace worthy of that amount of love and that amount of pain. I am privileged. I am privileged to feel this way because some people go through their whole lives and don't even have a glimmer of this pain. And so I, I carry it proudly. Um, yeah. and, and, if, and if you are there with grief, that's a piece to carry too. Yeah, it's it's so I it changes you in ways that you can't really explain until you've experienced it. And it is motivated me in in ways that I never thought that I would be before and sharing my story and helping others and and um making people feel less alone with it because grief can be so isolating. Right. Um, 
you, you, you oftentimes feel like, Oh, I'm the only person that feels this way. I'm, you know, uh, and especially in the, in those people those... forget people right? forget. Yeah. People for, they're like, Oh, that happened. That's nice. Nobody yeah. forgets about my goddamn knees. How's your knee doing? <laughs> right. How's your knee doing? If I had a penny for every time someone says, how's your knees? People that don't even know me are like, how's your knees doing? I heard you had a knee replacement, right? How simple would it be to say, how's your grief doing? Yeah. I heard you had a loss. I did. See, Thanks for asking. So the book is called Grief and Meditation. So let's talk about meditation this is something i've been trying to get into and i know a lot of people it's i feel like meditation and yoga are the two things that people everybody's like i've been wanting to try that and i just if for some reason i can't get motivated or i just can't find the time to to meditate even though i know how important it is uh, it's like journaling whenever i i journal i feel so much better about myself and i remember that this is something that's so necessary in my life to process things and then i'll go a week or two without it or whatever and sometimes a month without it and then uh and then i'll remember again like oh yeah i need to make time for that uh, meditation is right. one of those things where i'm like i need to make time for that i know it's important i know it would help me <laughs> so right. a how it's the I, same thing like it's in that? boy that's a that's a hard piece it's the same thing that that plagues every every uh what's the every pork chop of a person out there who knows i mean it's not no it's not a secret it's yeah. not like it's buried in bermuda and you gotta find the island and dig it up and then you'll know oh i gotta eat right not have ice cream for breakfast and exercise more like exactly. that's not a fucking secret Right. It's right. not like it's not. There's no pills. There's no this. And it all comes down to eat less, exercise more. That's it. That's it. Right. And so, so you just got to get off your fat ass and do something. <laughs> I know I, I was around. I'm in the ground code. I'm like hiking every day, lugging stuff, trying to get in shape. Right. And it's still really nice to just sit down with like a glass of milk and some cookies. Right? right i know they're not good but i still have a glass of milk and cookies so uh the 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 thing with the, the meditation is to really make time to put that in and it can even just be 15 minutes it can be 10 minutes you just need to give yourself some time and so there's three types of meditation i talk about in the book the first one is anapana meditation the second one is vipassana meditation and the third one is metavana meditation and the and i talk about them in the in the times in the book where i'm like all right this is how it helped me with these issues i talk about the issues and i talk about how the, that piece helped and with anapana meditation you are just really focusing your breath on your breath without counting this is the important part this is the important part for your listeners to hear and for you to hear michael so you are counting you are not counting you are not saying anything you are just focused on your breath and your mind is going to be wackadoodle as usual going should i go do this and you and you can take a few heavy deep breaths so to try to shut it off but you don't want to be hyperventilating you want to just come back to just regular normal breathing i do this when and i get too high already this sounds like <laughs> I'm like, am it I is, breathing right? Is this right? <laughs> yeah, see, but you're thinking, you're thinking. That's the thing you shouldn't be doing. You should right. just be observing no thoughts. So it's really not a breathing exercise. It's a bringing your unrestrained mind back to focusing on something exercise. 
That's really what it is. Because it's our unrestrained mind that can fuel our grief and other emotions. And so by restraining it, by taking it and saying, okay, no, 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 no. We're not going to think about, and it's, you're not even doing this. It just starts thinking about the laundry list of stuff you have to do. And without even thinking about it or being upset about it, you're like, nope, come back to the breath. So there's not even a piece where you're like, wow, it's wandered off again. Gee, that's been 15 times in the last 10 minutes that it's wandered off again. I wonder if I'll ever be able to, no, 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 no. If you're doing that, you're still thinking. Right. You're still thinking. It's just coming back to quiet that mind. That's basically Anapana. And uh, the reason Anapana is so cool, cooler than anything else, is that your breath is with you everywhere you go. You, once you get this, can do it anywhere. You don't need batteries. You don't need CDs. Oh, I'm dating myself. You don't need, you don't need <laughs> iTunes. No, I'm still dating myself. You don't need, <laughs> you don't need an Android phone. Jesus Christ. Um, you don't need anything. You just need your breath. And we breathe all the time. And since you're not forcing yourself and it's just normal respiration, you can just focus on that breath and you can do it in the grocery line. You could do it while you're waiting in traffic. You don't necessarily have to close your eyes. You can do it while you're on the subway. It's easy peasy. It's not easy peasy. It's very hard to bring your mind back. But that's it for the instructions. That's it. Um, the second one, Vipassana, is once you've heightened that, it's being just aware of. So when you're grieving, if you're just aware you can see, you can really see, you know, all right, the grief's here in my stomach. I can feel it. I can feel where the sand, like, what, like when I was talking about that, uh, that price of admission, I could feel like warm skin. I could feel like dry mouth. I could feel like tears welling up and tears coming out. And then that's different. Those sensations are different. And so it's being aware of your sensations without buying into it, trying to stop it. And what that teaches you as a wisdom, a very wise, very wise man said, it's temporary. <laughs> it's it's temporary. You'll have to watch. Doesn't give you a spoiler. You got to watch the, got to watch the video, but that's the reality that that teaches you. So the first one controls crazy, crazy voice that fuels it. The second one teaches you temporary. And then the third one, Anapana, is a way to kind of wish well to the world. Not Anapana, Metavana is a way to wish well to the world. It's also called loving kindness. So if you Google loving kindness meditation, there's some really good ones that are out there, guided meditations that you can do. There's one woman named Sharon Salzberg who does a great series of guided meditations around loving kindness. And it kind of opens and softens your heart. And you're just kind of trying to create this feeling and and then send it to other folks. And, you know, I'm atheist, uh, agnostic, however you want to call it, right? Although, you know, nobody, um, 
nobody has outed me to any priests um <laughs> but <laughs> you know, those people that watch the video will get this <laughs> so i really struggled when when i went and uh, i talked to a teacher and i said um you know what should i do I went in a Vipassana day long thing and I talked to the teacher and I told him what happened. He's like, one of the best things you could do is send Meta to Brian. And I said, yeah, but I don't believe in heaven. He's gone. He's gone. What, I, I, I don't know when to send it to. Right. It's yeah. not, it's, I was totally stuck. Like, you know, that's it. It's over. I'm only here for this. Yeah, I don't have his new and address. <laughs> I don't have his new address. I don't know where to send it to. I can write out the letter, but I have no place to put and I don't know how much the postage is. Uh, and the and the the teacher was like, You're sending it to him, but you're really doing it for you. And he said, So just pretend. Just 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 put that piece to the side. Because what you're doing is really opening and softening your heart up and so what i did and i actually have pictures of these in the book is i came up with meta phrases for brian and i got i found some etsy thing and some person made these really nice etchings to and i have them framed at two parts two places in the house and yeah. so when i stop and i see them i um take a moment still to this day to send some meta to him which really is softening my own heart and helping me stay open to really embracing grief as it is, not as I would like it to be or other people would like it to be. It's allowing me to be vulnerable and, and, and kind of cherish those things that I have. So I, those three things really combine to get the crazy brain to see that everything's temporary and to soften your heart. I, I love that. And I think keeping that connection with people that have passed is so important. I have a, I personally have a big picture of my mother who she's in her kitchen at the time. And that's always where we would talk for hours. That was always the hangout at her house growing up. And even when I got older and come to visit, we were always in the kitchen. And so she's, she's leaning on the kitchen counter, like she's listening and she's smiling. And I have a, a big 11 by 17 of it framed in, in, in our kitchen, and I talk to her all the time, just out loud when I'm cooking or around the house or whatever. And I, right. again, it's, it's like what you're talking with this, you know, I, it's not really for her. It's for me. Right. Um, it's for her in a way, but it's, it's, it's for me. And it's, it's my way to keep that connection, to keep that love and, and, and to keep her, her spirit with me. Um, and in whatever regard you believe that to be, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that connection is so important. And, uh, right. yeah, I did the same thing. I have a, I have a, on a, on a stairway. It's, it's a two, you know, obviously a stairway. So it's a two story open stairway, um, here in this log home, I have pictures, you know, of myself with friends and, um, we, we were so busy and active in the last like four years that, I stopped putting pictures up on this right. stuff. And so um, I find it's been two years or two and a half years since Brian died. And I finally put up the last couple pictures that I've been like, all right, I got to go through all the pictures and I want to find ones that are going to go there. That yeah. means something. Yeah. 
And that I got like six of them up and I was like, oh, that's it. There's more, but I can't go through them all. I want to want to find the right ones. And um, it's really nice to go by there every day and be like, and so we, he, the, one of the last things he did, he's, um, I have his ashes upstairs because I haven't, with COVID, I haven't, we, I've have taken care of them. One of the things that um, um, literally we just did is that, you know, we started this animal rescue together. And um, the one of the last things he did was build this cement slab gate thing to come on the property, like this big, it was like a lot of effort, lots of work, lots, it was it was like his, you know, Mona Lisa of, of construction <laughs> yeah. projects. Um, and there's this one section that um, I've decided to put a raised bed there. It's 59 by 62 because I've cut the <laughs> planks. And, and so what I've done is um, we had a big volunteer thing on the rest uh, here at the rescue. And he was really clear. He said, he said, I don't want to have any funeral. He said, you know, if people didn't see me when I was live, I don't want them seeing me after I'm dead. So that can assuage their guilt of not being around. And so I've honored that piece. And so what I did is I've had this, um, this construction of this raised bed and I've had people come by and who've come by of their own accord, not because there's an event, but they came by to help with the rescue and they came, but someone's coming by this weekend to help with some electrical stuff with the rescue. And she was his best man when we got married. And so she doesn't know this yet. She's not going to see this until after this, <laughs> right. but, uh, or hear this, but, um, I've had people, um, help build that memorial garden surprise surprise while you're here can you put a screw in can you do this can you put it and then each person i took i have a permanent magic marker i've said all right you got some time i just want you to write something yeah and i you know it's it's up to you whatever you're going to write and and just a small piece. And then I'm, and then I, and then the people that have done that so far, I've shellacked it with this clear stuff. So hopefully it'll be around for a while. And then I'm going to put some of his ashes there in this garden, you know, it's going to be cool. I love that. And I, I, I love his mentality of if they didn't see me when I was alive, I don't <laughs> want him to come see me when I'm dead. I, I, I'm going to, I'm stealing that. I'm adapting that. <laughs> uh, I love that. And uh, yeah, because I, I don't want to be buried and I'm going to be cremated and all those things. And I, I, I'm stealing that from Brian. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. Uh, and uh, I love talking with you. And I, I'm going to I'm going to get the book Grief and Meditation and, and I'm going to start meditating. I promise this is I mean it this time. I'm going to start meditating. <laughs> start with Anapana five minutes when you do it. Here's what here's one of the things you can do is hook it with something else do it when you're in the shower spend another three minutes in the shower and just do anapana um, do it right when you go to bed spend a few minutes when you're in bed and just do anapana right anapana on a, on a sticky note and put it on the ceiling right above your head so when you open when you get in bed and you're looking up you see anapana to remind you to do that i'm serious i'm gonna be honest with you i went to public schools i can't spell anapana uh that's okay you don't have to you just you could write do it you could just write do it <laughs> just do it 
Just do it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. Yeah. And, uh, oh, man. What a I, privilege. I loved it so much. And uh, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. And watch his video before you go to rehab. <laughs> or so you don't have to go to rehab. So you don't have to. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Home Alone. Again, I've been your host, Michael Malone. If you want to find out more about G. Scott Graham, you can check out gscottgram.com or reach out to him on Twitter. That's G. Scott Graham. You can find out more about me or reach out to me. Everything's at Malone Comedy. So Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, it's all at Malone Comedy. You can watch my new special, Wait and See, at malonecomedy.com. 